Let's read God's Word in two places this morning. First of all, in Matthew chapter 16, right at the end of that chapter. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 28, and then at the end of Romans chapter 7. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 28. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then turn to Romans chapter 7. We'll begin reading there at verse 12 and read to the end of the chapter. Romans 7 beginning at verse 12. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Read God's word to that point this morning. Those passages will form the basis of our exposition of the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. The Heidelberg Catechism explains to us that third petition in Lord's Day 49 page 26 in the back of your Psalter. Lord's Day 49. Which is the third petition? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may renounce our own will and without murmuring, 
obey thy will, which is only good, that so everyone may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven. Beloved of God, I think this is the ninth time that in my ministry I'm preaching through the Heidelberg Catechism. Every time I get to Lord's Day 49 and prepare to preach on Lord's Day 49, I wonder how often of the thousands of times I've prayed the Lord's Prayer, how often I've truly prayed this petition. Thy will be done. And I wonder, in the times that I have truly prayed this petition, how long has it lasted that I truly want God's will to be done in me? If you think about it carefully, it is desperately hard to pray this third petition. It's not hard to to just say it or rattle it off, but it's hard to really pray it, to really mean it. In fact, it's utterly impossible to pray it apart from the sovereign grace of God. To really say, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. But when the child of God does pray this petition, genuinely, and he does, is he not arriving at the heart of true piety, true devotion to Jehovah God? Is he not giving himself utterly over to the Lord in the praying of this petition? And is he not praying in such a way that what he knows about God, his theology, his understanding about God is is really hitting the road of his life. Is this not a petition that is confessing the truth uh, that is the height of Reformed theology, that God is God all the way. He's God and therefore I and my will must bow to His will. This prayer, genuinely prayed, is an acknowledgement of who He really is, sovereign and majestic. To pray it is to bow the knee to Him and to say, I am not God of my own life. He really is God. I will place my will under His. It's not so hard to pray it, of course, when, when my will goes the same way as his will, when, it, when his will is like the interstate and my will is like the frontage road, they're, they're both moving in the same direction. But when his will is this and my will runs like a T into it and I have to turn in order to follow his will, it's the hardest thing in all the world for the Christian to really pray this and to humble himself and say, thy will be done. Let's learn what it means and let's ask for grace to grow 
and really praying it this morning as we take it up under the theme, Thy will be done. We have to notice first, God's will and our will. Second, let's see that this is a prayer for submission. And third, let's take note of the fact that this is a request we're asking of God himself. God, may thy will be done in me. Jehovah God, the true God, the God who is there, the God who made everything, the God who made you and me, is a being who has a will. God is not an artificial intelligence up in the sky. He is not an ethereal force out there somewhere, but he is a personal being, and as a personal being, God has a will. A will is desires and conclusions that come to expression in decisions. A will is desires and conclusions that come to expression in decisions. And God has that. God makes decisions. He makes many decisions. But at the end of the day, all of his decisions are really one. God's will is one. All of God's decisions can fit together and make up his one decision to manifest his glory and magnify his glory as the God that he is, especially in the gathering of his people out of the human race into his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But as a God for whom all his decisions are one in that way, when he reveals his decisions to us, they come to us in two aspects. First, there is the will of God's decree, and then there is the will of his command. The will of God's decree is his desires and conclusions manifest in decisions that took place in eternity past for how things were going to go in time in all of his world. Those decisions are called his decree. And because he is God over all, sovereign and all-powerful, and because when he determines how things are going to go in time, this is a determinative aspect of his will, this decree is as powerful as he is. It's as sovereign as he is. It's as irresistible as he is. And what he has decided determines what actually takes place in time. Isaiah 46 verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Even the wicked king of Babylon had to admit that this God doeth according to all his will in the army of heaven. In time he does. He carries out everything that he willed previously that he determined would take place. 
and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Nothing occurs in time and space. Not righteousness, not sin, not good, not evil, not calamity, not justice, not salvation, not damnation, not good years, not barren years. Nothing takes place that has not been decided by this determinative will of God in eternity past. That's the will of His decree. And then secondly, God has also made decisions arising out of desires and conclusions. He's also made decisions for what is the right way for His creatures to live upon His world. These decisions are not determinative, but they're prescriptive. In other words, these decisions of God's will are not determining what is going to take place. But instead, they decree the way that human beings ought to live. They say what is right, what is righteousness, what is in line with God's character. This is the will of His command. And it's revealed to us in commands. The Ten Commandments and all of the other commands of the Word of God that fit under the Ten Commandments. The will of His command. When the Lord was told that His mother and His brothers were there to see Him in Matthew 12, verse 50, He said, Whosoever will do the will of My Father which is in heaven, the same is My brother and My sister and my mother, and there he was referring to the will of God's command. Whoever obeys the commands that my father gives. When the Lord taught about hypocrites, he said in Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven. That's the will of God's command. He who obeys puts his will under the will of God and obeys the will of God's commands. It's especially this aspect, this second aspect of God's one will that the Lord Jesus has in mind when He teaches us to pray in the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, God, Thy will be done. That first aspect, the will of God's decree, you can't forget about it, It's going to come back into the sermon later, kind of through the back door as we're going to see. But the focus in this third petition is on the will of God's command that we submit our wills to the will of God's commandments for us. What He tells us is the right way to live. The proof of that is in the petition itself. The petition says, Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. The petition is saying, God, may it be that the way Thy will is carried out in heaven, that it may also be carried out on earth. The petitioner sees some dissonance between the way God's will is carried out in heaven and the way it's carried out on earth. And he's asking, God, may there be not dissonance, but that may there be conformity so that the way thy will is carried out in heaven, it also will be carried out upon earth. That can't be referring to God's decree, the will of his decree. The will of God's decree is being carried out in heaven and in earth exactly the same. Irresistibly, it's being accomplished. But the will of God's command, that's a different story. 
In heaven, the will of his command is being carried out perfectly, flawlessly by the angels in heaven who submit to the commandments of God and to the station and calling that God has given to them. But on earth, it's not that way. On earth, the will of God's command, we don't always bow to it. Even his people don't always bow to it. And we're praying out of the bottom of our hearts, God, may it be especially with regard to ourselves, as each one prays this. God, may it be that I bow to thy will, the will of thy command, and I perform thy commandments in my station, in my calling. That's how the Heidelberg Catechism understands this petition too. It explains the petition as the request that God grant that we obey his will. That's the will of his command and that we perform the duties of our station and calling. That's the will of God's command. This request, then, is very practical and real for our Christian life. It's not abstract. The praying of this petition is not an attempt on our part to pry into the secret decree of God and and to get God to somehow reveal his secret will to us ahead of time. It's not a request that God give us some some signs so that we can, as people sometimes say, remain in his will. Sometimes people speak that way, don't they? Maybe they're trying to decide a job to take. Should I take this job or should I take that job? And they feel all this pressure because I have to remain in the will of God, in the, in the decree of God, in the plan of God for my life. And if I choose the wrong one, then I'm outside of God's will. I'm outside of His plan for my life. And so, if they're trying to decide, for example, to buy a coffee shop or something like that, then they'll start looking for signs and they'll start praying, God, thy will be done. And what I mean by that is, God, show me some signs so that I can know your your secret decretive will. So maybe they're looking, if, if people start talking about coffee all around them, then maybe that's a sign from God that they are supposed to buy this coffee shop. And if they wouldn't, then God's plan for their life would be over here and they would be going the wrong way. But if they do, then I'm I'm in the stream of his plan for my life. When Jesus teaches us to pray, thy will be done, he's not teaching us that. It's not, show me thy plan for my life so that I don't miss your plan for my life. Give me some signs that I don't, don't go a different way except for the way that you've planned for my life. You can't be outside the will of God that way. You can be outside the will of God, beloved, but you can't be outside the will of God's decree, the will of his plan for your life, and that shouldn't be a concern of yours at all. Our concern should be being outside of the will of his command. That we can be outside of. And so when we make decisions for our life, we make them, first of all, with this petition upon our lips, thy will be done. Thy will of command be done by me. And is there anything in choosing this way or that way that would go against 
God's commands. That's the first way I know how to decide which way to go. I put all of the the issues into the hopper and I say, is there anything here in this decision that would lead me to go against the will of His commands? If I buy this coffee shop, is it going to tempt me greatly, maybe cause me to break the fourth commandment, not to honor the Lord's day and keep it holy? Is this going to take me somehow away from His church, from the body of Jesus Christ? Does this put me in a position where I'm going to be influenced in worldliness in a way that I know I'm very tempted by and I'm not going to be able to resist? Does this feed some idol that I know I have that's always right there with me? Then I better in wisdom stay away because this is likely going to lead me to go against the will of His command. That first. And if this thing passes all of that, I run it through all of His commands and it passes that, then I can start considering other things when I make decisions. Am I able to use my gifts well here? Is there a need here? Is there a sense of calling here? Do I desire to do this before the face of God? Things like that. But first, thy will be done. Thy commands be honored in my life. And the praying of this petition affects those decisions in our life, big or small. Always I'm running them Am I going to be led contrary to the revealed will of His command? So the third petition concerns God's will, the will of His command. But the third petition also concerns our wills, doesn't it? Thy will be done. The third petition is not just thy will or thy will Exist, please, but thy will be done by me. Thy will be performed by me. That includes an act of my will. God has created human beings with a will too. The ability to desire and to come to conclusions that express themselves in decisions. In fact, that's part of what being human is. We will never be without a will. Even in heaven or hell, human beings have a will. We would cease to be human if we didn't have that ability. And that's taken into account here in this third petition. We're not praying to God for the dissolution of our own will or that God take our will out of us so that we don't have a will. When the Catechism explains this, it says that I'm praying that I might renounce my own will. It's not saying that I'm asking God to make it so that I don't have a will anymore. Or so that I just be carried along without thinking or willing at all myself. But I'm asking that God make it so that my conclusions and my decisions run in accord with God's commands so that inside of me, in my mind, my thinking, my my heart, I will and perform, I, I want to do and to bow 
to what He has commanded. That's the issue. That will that He gave us, you see, can be informed and driven by both our old man and our new man. The old man within us can have an effect upon our will so that we don't do, we don't want to do. Our conclusion is that we're not going to do what he has commanded. In fact, apart from Jesus Christ, that's all we would will. Our will would be so controlled by that old man so that we could conclude nothing else but that. Outside of regeneration, the will is bound to seek and to will what is against God. Think of Luther's great book, The Time of of the Reformation Against Erasmus, The Bondage of the Will, showing from Scripture that the will of man is controlled by the depraved nature of man so that he can only choose and desire what is against God and for himself. And what Luther meant by that was not that if given the choice between being a bank teller and being an axe murderer, everybody would always choose axe murderer. That's not the point. The point is that in whatever we do or decide apart from regeneration, we're never going to do it because we love God and because we want to honor Him, but we're going to do it seeking self as the God of our own life. Our will is bound to that. It's like a fish in a fishbowl of sin. That fish in that fishbowl has a certain freedom. It's an illusion to an extent because it's under the decree of God, but a certain freedom under the will of God to to go where it wants in that fishbowl, but it's always in sin. It can't escape sin being against God. That's the way it is for us in our life, apart from the regenerating work of grace. But in regeneration, God plants a new life alongside that old. A new life and a new nature that is utterly pure. There is no impurity in it. It doesn't make this one any more pure. This one remains totally impure. But there's a totally pure one next to a totally impure one. And they're both, as it were, vying for influence upon the will and upon the life. And while this one is who we are at the uttermost, at the center of us after regeneration, there's still a battle that takes place for influence over the will and therefore over the life. Even when actuated by that new man, this old man corrupts even our best works. Nonetheless, the new man or the old can drive us at any given time. This is why there's a struggle within the child of God. The struggle that the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 7. A real battle, a real fight going on. And notice that for the Apostle Paul, this fight in battle has very much to do with his will. We've read this many times, but now take notice of how often Paul refers to the will. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. 
For the good that I would, or the good that I will, I do not. But the evil that I will not, that I do. Now I do that I will not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I will do good, evil is present with me. He wills what's right. There's an influence of the new man upon him. But even then, he doesn't always end up doing what he wills because there's another power within him that influences will and sometimes cuts it off so that he in fact wills the evil when he's been willing the good. And he, This is a battle within him. And that's the battle that leads to this third petition. That's, that's what we're praying about in this third petition. It's the cry of the child of God who experiences this, who knows this in his own heart and life. But he wants to obey his father who's delivered him from the house of bondage, adopted him as his son. And so he prays to God, God, may thy will be done in my life. Work in me so that I bow and submit my will to thee so that my new man has power over my will. I bend to thee. Thy will be done in me. It's a prayer then for strength to live in self-denial, isn't it? Grant us to renounce our own will, the catechism explains. To renounce that will when influenced by that old man so that it runs contrary to God's will, His command for my life. Which means first, God, make me to see it when I'm being influenced by that old man. Make me to see it when my will is running contrary to thy commandments. And so it's a prayer, God, shine the light within to give us to see our sinful desires, first of all, and how they affect our will and disobedience because we can be so blind to them sometimes. We hardly even notice. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't even see it. We're so good at deluding ourselves and convincing ourselves that it's okay to run contrary to His will. In fact, our sin nature can be so powerful within us that we enlist God in our self-delusion and use God to convince ourselves that what we're doing or willing is in fact not contrary to His commands. Have you ever observed this? in somebody or in yourself? Maybe, for example, when somebody really, really wants to do something that they know is against God's commandments. And maybe you bring it to them and it doesn't matter how humbly you bring it to them. You bring it to them in the right way. Genuine love for them. This is hard for me. I don't want to do this. This hurts, but I have to do this because I love you. And you explain, this is what God's Word says, and this is what you're doing. It's this. You need to turn. 
And at some point in the conversation, somebody, the, the person says this, yeah, but I prayed about it. And I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And when they say that, that's, that's supposed to trump everything. That's supposed to be the end of the conversation. Once somebody says that, that, that means you can't say anything anymore because they prayed about it and they feel like this is what God wants them to do. Or maybe you've done that yourself. But just like prayer is not some, this petition is not some attempt to find secret access to the will of his decrees that he, he shows me it ahead of time with some signs of how to go. So it is not a petition of him to give me special commands that are only for me and not for all of you people that are written down in the Bible. And that's really what I'm saying when I say even though the Bible says this, I prayed about it and I feel like this is what God wants me to do. I'm saying that yes, I know the Bible says this, but you don't understand. I prayed about it and God, as it were, told me it's okay. He said, yeah, these are my commands for most people, but for you at this time in this place, I have special commands for you and this is going to be okay for you right now. Absolutely not. This is how foolish we are. This is how we deceive ourselves. And so the child of God, knowing this, seeing this and knowing this about himself, he prays this petition with urgency. God, I can be so self-deluded. Show me. Show me where I'm running contrary to thy will. Show me where I'm excusing it. Show me where I'm trying to convince myself that it's okay. Show me where I'm really wanting to go against thy commands and even using you to try to convince myself that it's all right. And then, Lord, when you show me, give me the strength to renounce my own will that runs contrary to thine. Oh, that's hard. In fact, it's not only hard, it's dying. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And he isn't only talking about martyrs on the mission field who lose their life for the sake of Jesus Christ, their physical life, although that too. But every single child of God who comes up to that point where he sees there's a T here between my will and God's will and I have to renounce my will and turn my will to run parallel to his that's dying, that's losing your life. It feels like suicide because what I want is a part of me what I desire and the conclusions I've drawn, the decisions that I've made, that, that's my will, that's such a part of me, to now go contrary to that and to renounce that. That's like killing something of myself. I'm losing my life for Him. 
I'm giving up what I want. And it's so hard that if I'm honest, I would sooner pray. I would sooner change the hymn altogether and pray, may I have my own way, Lord. May I have my own way. Am not I the potter? Art not thou the clay? Let me mold thee and make thee after my will. Here I am controlling. You yield and sit still. And the Lord Jesus, because he knows us, knows us. He only has three spots to fill in the Lord's Prayer for petitions that we pray with respect to God's glory. Only three. And he knows this is going to have to be one of them. They're going to have to pray this again and again and again. And sometimes it's going to come forth out of their heart that's already there. And other times they're going to have to pray it and pray it and pray it and their heart is going to catch up. But they have to keep praying it. Thy will, not mine. I renounce my will. Because they need grace for this. Because this is so hard for them. It's like dying. And the Father is going to have to keep praying, Thy will be done, Lord. So that I willingly do my duty as a father from, a, from the heart unto Him, even when it's hard, even when I don't want to, even when I'd rather do this or this or this. Thy will be done, Lord. Thy will be done. He has to keep praying it. And the mother has to keep willingly submitting herself to the calling that God Himself puts upon her for her station in life. And say, Thy will be done, not mine, Lord. You're going to have to give this up, my daughter, because this is the calling I have given to you. Give yourself to it every day. They're going to have to keep praying it as, as teenagers. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Give me, God, not to give myself over to peer pressure, but to live before thy face. Thy will be done in thy way. They're going to have to keep praying it. To be the kind of husband that he is to be, even when his wife is not being the kind of wife she's supposed to be. To be the kind of wife she's supposed to be, even when her husband is not being the kind of husband he's supposed to be. They're going to have to die to self and proclaim themselves not God over their own life. In order to, to give themselves in service to their station or calling in society at work, before a boss who is a jerk of a man, they're going to have to keep praying this. Thy will, not mine. Thy will be done, not mine. Not with thy service either as men pleasers, but doing the will of God from the heart. And they're going to have to keep praying. Thy will be done. In order to submit to that one command that calls them to bow to the will of our decree. Here it is. Here it comes back. 
Because you see, beloved, though the third petition concerns the will of God's command that I might obey His commands, we have to remember that one of those commands is to submit ourselves willingly to the will of His decree as He unfolds it over our life in His providence. Here, for example, is that command. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Bow yourself, submit your will to the will of His decree as it's unfolded upon your life. And that too is painful. That too feels like dying. That too, of course, is easy to a certain extent when my will is going parallel to the will of His decree. But when it's not, it's oh so hard. And especially when the will of His decree is not in line with what I want, even though I know that what I want is in line with the will of His command. Father, a child to raise to your glory. Is this not a good desire that I have? It's not a desire that runs contrary to your commands. I'm, I'm praying, asking you for it, Father. And he says, yes, my child, it's a good desire. It's a righteous desire. It's not out of line with the will of my command. But I have determined not now for you yet in the will of my decree and maybe not ever. And you have to bow to that too. That's part of my command to you. Oh God, to continue to be a father to my children who need my instruction, my leadership, to care for them. Am I not supposed to desire that? But then I must live and not die of this disease that is in me. And maybe he says, no, my child. It is a good desire. A good desire. It's righteous. It's in line with the will of my command. But the will of my decree is no. I'm going to take you home. And I'll take care of your children. And you have to bow to the command that says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Oh God, to see my granddaughter walk down the aisle and to be present in her life as she's starting a new family. Isn't the will of God, doesn't the Bible teach that the older women must teach the younger women? That's what I desire, Father. Is that not a good desire? But then why does it look like you're bringing me to the grave? And he says, yes, it's a good desire, my dear. It's a righteous desire. But I'm going to take you home. And you must submit yourself to that. That's so hard. To say, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. It's losing your life. It's giving up power and control, which is an illusion anyway, but we don't think that it is. It doesn't feel like it is. But we bow to him and say, you're God. As we run up against this 
this immovable God who really is God and who doesn't do whatever we want him to do. We come to the place where we say, you're God and I'm not. Where we hear him answer us as he answered Job out of the whirlwind. And where were you again? When I formed the earth? Where were you when I cast the heavens into the sky like a blanket? When I ripped the night in two and created light and darkness? Can't you imagine that I'm wiser than you perhaps? And that I see the end from the beginning and that my counsel is good. That my plan will be good and right for you too. Can't you trust me, child? I'm God. It'll be okay. Beloved, don't you come to a point under this where you realize so deeply, I have to, I have to pray this petition because I can't do this without grace. I have to ask this of him. God, give me the strength to renounce my will, to conform myself to thee, to the will of thy command, and when thy command is to bow to thy decree. And isn't the fact that the Lord teaches us to pray this an evidence that he's the good shepherd who knows his sheep? I need him. I need to ask this of him. I need him to give this to me as a gift. Supernatural grace. I can't do this in myself. I come to the conclusion that the Apostle Paul came to in his struggle. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The admission of our own sin and weakness has to drive us to our knees and to cry out to this from Jehovah God Grant this to me. And to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it the case? That every time you go through the Hunterberg Catechism, it's not only the Ten Commandments that convict you, it's also the Lord's Prayer. And so that going through the Lord's Prayer, I have to be driven to Christ again too. And say, I need Him the one who bowed his knee, who always said, thy will be done. Can you believe that he was able to do that? That he always bowed his will to the commands of God? And that he always bowed his will to the command that said, bow to my decree? To the point where it pressed bloody sweat out of him in the garden. And you come running to this Christ, impute to me your righteousness, Lord Christ, the righteousness I don't have. And grant to me your grace, your power. Work it into my life so that I might bow to the will of God more and more. Something He works into us also as we see this Christ. And as we see 
that the same God in Christ who gave us this petition because he knows us so well also gave us Christ because he knows us so well. I know they're not always going to bow and they need a Savior. And who his love for us gave us a Savior to impute his righteousness, his obedience to the will of God to us in love for us so that we might find in him this God, this Father, who supplies every single one of our needs. And that works in us to say, I want to obey this God. I want to trust in Him. I want to bow to Him. And so the request comes from the heart. God, give me grace. That Thy will be done. Father, give me grace that thy will be done. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When I see him as the Father who supplied all that to me, I start to trust his will too, that his will is good and wise. And his will becomes to me a power that carries me in my life instead of a brick wall that I'm constantly running up against. And I say, not my own way, O God, but thine. Amen. O God, bless the exposition of thy word to our hearts and lives. Grow us and give us grace and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.